Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the most unprepared, underdeveloped, and underrated wrestling podcast on the internet. Welcome to Diamond in the Ring, and today I couldn't have picked a better guest. He is one of the hosts of the Otaku Collective Podcast. He is his own prophet. He is Josh, a.k.a. Zane, a.k.a. I don't know what else the fuck to call you. Yeah, that, was, that was good. That was good. Appreciate the warm welcome. Shout out to the Otaku Collective Podcast and my co-host Zoe and Seth. I appreciate you for plugging me. Oh, uh, I'm very excited to be here. I, I am so happy that you're making this journey into the podcasting world. And uh, I'll, I'll be sure to listen to any and all future episodes. And uh, I'm, again, really excited to be here. Appreciate it, my friend. So, Josh, course, bro. the reason I brought you in is because Last night was one of the... Oh my god, my microphone is in the goddamn shot. God damn it. Try to prevent that shit. But uh, last night was one of the biggest crossover pay-per-views since, you say, 1996 with Collision in Korea. Last night was Forbidden Door, AEW Cross New Japan. And can I just say, it is amazing in the year of our Lord 2022 that we can get something like this. It helps that a lot of AEW's roster were huge, huge, huge players in New Japan at one point or another. Obviously, Kenny, the uh, the Bucks, Moxley. Uh, I'm pretty sure Cody went back and forth there yeah. a couple times. Cody, Hangman, uh, Trent Beretta at one point. Uh, obviously, Rupongi Vice, both members. You... <sighs> FTR hasn't been yet, but I'm I'm sure now that they are champions, which we'll talk about in a second, they'll be, yeah, mo- most of the original core AEW roster, and even some of the newer guys have indeed been very pivotal to New Japan and ROH's growth. So that's really nice to see. And like, I mean, and like IWGP, like the U.S. belt was defended by Mox a number of times on TV. Uh, I mean Suzuki, you know, he's he's been in AEW for a good while. You know he had, you know he had that. You know he had a couple matches against. Uh, against yeah, Daniel he had his mini tour here. Uh, I want to say it was four or five matches. Now, getting into it, one of the first things I noted when we were watching uh, the buy-in show was that New mm. Japan entrances just hit different. I made this comment. They sound like, like, legitimately sound like they're like boss themes in like the Persona series. Right, uh, I, I want to say at, at least a good bit of the New Japan things, at least from my experience, are definitely, like, video game influence, mm-hmm. which is fine. And, and even if they aren't, they all sound really good because I feel like their composers um, do their job very well. Like, uh, WWE has been through a couple of people, you know, like Jim Johnson, CFO, and, and whoever the new group is right now. And, and I feel like the people who are like, well, the Jim Johnson... Dynasty era of WWE, mm-hmm. uh, back when he was like reigning supreme, and, and themes like Undertaker and, and Shawn Michaels and and John Cena's My Time Is Now and and World Life and Randy's original uh, Burning My Light theme stuff like that. Back back mm-hmm. when he was helping produce and getting bands and stuff or things like that is is what New Japan has at least since I started watching back in like oh six oh seven has always been like. Like, dude, I- I'm gonna be honest. WWE's themes have been go- going down since CFO got fired. Yeah, but there are a lot of people who say CFO the CFO era wasn't that good. But then again, they weren't watching NXT. 
Ex exactly. I mean, Sammy's theme, even though it has, like, two words to it, like, absolutely fucking slaps. Oh, World Apart is amazing. I love World Apart, which is why I was really sad when he finally changed it, even though he'd been healed for, like, a year and a half at that point. I mean, wait, it, I... I thought it was. I thought it was all the same as it had ever been. No, no, no. It'll start the same, and then they immediately slow it down and like play like a rock name underneath it. Okay. To be fair, we haven't. You probably haven't seen Sammy wrestle in a while because you don't watch SmackDown anymore. Yeah, I mean, I I watch it. I watch it on the occasion. Uh, yeah, but unless I, you've seen a Sammy match, that's completely fair. But yeah, for like the last, I want to say year. Sammy, Sammy's theme has started with the dun, 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 and then immediately slowed down to like a heavy like rock tone based theme. I gotcha. But anyways, that's WWE. That's for another time, which we might get in a little bit of WWE later because they've been in the news. Uh, I thought the right. pre-show uh, for, for this uh, uh, for the show was really good. Really good appetizer. Uh, we had uh, Hiroki Goto and uh, Yoshihashi versus QT Marshall and Aaron Solo. I thought that was a fine enough tag match. Uh, it was nice see. It was nice seeing uh, uh, Lance Archer versus. I'm gonna butcher all of these names. Uh, I apologize. Versus Nick uh, uh, Komaroto. Uh, Swerve Strickland and Keith Lee versus Desperado and uh, and uh, Ken and uh, Maru. I really mm. like that because that told a really good in-ring story because they kept working on uh, the legs. Uh, yeah, his knee the whole time. So Swerve pretty much had the the bulk of their offense uh, in this match, and and Keith just kind of and Keith just kind of came in, you know, at you know at the end and and hit some bit hit some big moves. Uh, one thing right. I noticed about New Japan, and I and I pretty much wrote down every like really cool counter. Um, but like, uh, one point Keith Lee's spirit bomb got countered into, into a DDT was great. Uh, I wrote that Swerve and Desperado had some just amazing fucking, uh, in, in ring story, storytelling. Like, like I said, the, these, uh, these pre-show matches slapped, uh, I'm kind of jumping around, but dude, when, when Lance Archer just, dude's like over seven feet fucking tall, you know, almost as tall as Andrew Everett, this motherfucker just. The way he just fucking tightroped was like tightroped walk on the rope was just so so fucking smooth. That was a really really fun Haas fight. Yeah, Lance Archer has always been a very mobile guy, which is cool to see. And uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of him. You got really mad because you <laughs> you say, and I quote, "His that you know, man, Archer has one of the best theme songs, but you never get to hear it." Right, no, because, okay, so again, uh, Everybody Dies is, is um, Lance Archer's theme. Mm-hmm. And, and, and unfortunately, because he, he's a heel, and he's a monster heel at that, the majority of the time it gets to the good part of his entrance, which is the chorus. Everybody dies. Uh, he, he's already beating someone up because he rushes to the ring and usually squashes his opponent. They should have called his theme "Everybody Dives" because he cut off his own theme by diving uh, off the rope to the ring at to, uh, to start this match off. Uh, and then we had uh, the Ass Boys versus LA Dojo, which I fucking love. Ma 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 Max Caster, I hope I hope Bo uh, Bowens gets better soon 
Because goddamn. Yeah, I do, I do too. We, the acclaim, the acclaim definitely should be AEW tag team champions. They are the next they're two so years. they're so overdue for it. Or if anything, if you don't want to, you know, do eight, you know, AEW tag champs, maybe let them take at least one of those belts off of FTR. I guess the ROH ones. Yeah, I would assume the ROH titles, if any. Because that's kind of what they did with Christian and Kenny. Christian took the Impact uh, titles off of Kenny. And then Christian ended up dropping that to Moose, I'm pretty sure. Uh, Josh Alexander, who then immediately dropped it to Moose because contract situation. Ooh. Uh, so Yeah, but Josh Alexander is champ again, so shout out to him. Oh, hell yeah. Um, so, do you know anything about L.A. Dojo? Like, from what I understood, it was, like, an American, like, New Japan. Yeah, okay, so, so New Japan uh, has dojos in America, specifically in L.A., mm-hmm. and a lot of the young lions, which are basically the rookies or the PC kids in WWE terms, train there. Oh, nice. Uh, Daniel Bryan trained there at one point in time. Uh, I, I want to say TJ Perkins trained there at one point. There are a lot of like American guys who we know and love, who, who have who have roots in Japanese wrestling in New Japan specifically. For some of them, yeah. who trained at the LA Dojo. Like the LA Dojo has been around for a long time, uh, and I, at one point, some of your probably more favorite international wrestlers have gone through there. And they made like the comment that like because the people they had there uh, from the LA Dojo all had black trunks. And I really like this kind of concept where they said that, like, um, when you're training and haven't graduated, you wear black trunks. But when you actually graduate, right. you, get you can wear whatever you want. Yeah. Yeah. That, you, you customize yourself. That's really fucking cool, honestly. Which is low key, is I think still for Finn, is a, uh, Finn Balor is a reason he still wears it. Because it's just what uh, being in New Japan meant to him. Yeah, I mean, he st- he still, I mean, his trunks still have like you know the the fin or the X or whatever. Right. Though when when he went to SmackDown, he started wearing those blue trunks, which looked really fucking good. Oh yeah, he did wear blue trunks for a while. Uh, I want to say I don't I didn't really have anything too much to note from this tag match. You know, pretty good tag match overall. Um, Danhausen just kind of showed up and presented a new theme for. For the gun, oh, yeah, for, for the gun club, yeah. The 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 ass boys was that song like a riff on like one of Billy Gunn's old themes or something? Oh, uh, unfortunately, my attitude era knowledge, at least when it requires uh, Road Dog and Billy, isn't the greatest. Mm-hmm. But Billy did have a song because he you know he used to be Mr. Ass, so he had yeah. a song related to that. But I don't I don't really movie. remember how that goes. But then again, I mean, because they're his kids, they're the ass boys. So I assume that's just <laughs> continuing to play into the motif. Yeah. Which now I'm kind of hoping we 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 get we get a uh, hook and Danhausen versus the Gun Club. That'd be. Oh, yeah, I'm see. sure it'll happen eventually. But I, I'm really excited for Austin and Colton because they're they're good and they they're young. Well, they're not super young because obviously I I think I mean, uh, they're in the early twenties oh, though. Like like. Yeah, I want to say Colton's a little bit older than you. But dude, and then uh, Austin's my age. Like, if they have their dad's fucking jeans, they are set. Billy looked fucking shredded, dude. Yeah, Billy still looks. Well, Billy's in gym a lot. I I saw him working out with uh, Chris Van Vliet uh Mm -hmm. on Instagram not too long ago. Like, dude, I mean, 
I mean, I mean, in in ring, he still he still looks really good, but just like, like God, God, damn, I cannot believe the longevity on this man. I'm no, fucking, I'm fucking impressed. Go Billy Gunn. See, people be like, people are always like, well, Sting's like sixty, which is yeah, is impressive, but you can tell, you can definitely tell Sting is a lot more stiff. Yeah, oh, uh, sure. Billy Gunn definitely still moves like he's in his thirty. Which, which, uh, you know, we'll comment on, uh. On dudes with attitude versus uh versus the Bucks and uh and uh Phantasmo later because that was a fucking great match and I have a couple things about Sting being quote stiff but uh so getting into it I need to preface that the way that we tried to watch this was um back channels uh through the forbidden back door if you will dude the stream snipers like taking all the streams down we're in full fucking force being you know what well, shout out to them because they were doing their job like and again i don't know how you get into that as a career but I, i'm 100 percent down <laughs> oh my god it's it's i mean that would be such a full circle moment for you because you introduced me to these you know back channels we'll call them we gotta call them that for legal reasons um right. you introduced me to this shit and the fact that you're gonna go full circle and be the one to take them down that is literally the definition of if 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 you're there for too long if you're the hero if you're the hero for too long you see yourself become the yeah if you live long enough as a hero you, you if you don't die living as a hero you live long enough to become the villain absolutely which is fine because that's character growth you know what i mean i've had my time in the sun mm-hmm. and if i'm shutting down the stream obviously i'm watching it so, yeah. I'm good either way. Uh, so the first official match on the card after the buy-in was the Jericho Appreciation Society, Jericho, Guevara, and Minoru Suzuki, we talked about earlier, versus Eddie mm-hmm. Kingston, Wheeler Yuta, and, and Shota Umino, who I'm just going to call Shooter. And yeah, Shooter McGavin. And uh, I had to go back and, wa- and watch this, but dude, like, this was such a good opening Opening match number one, I love Wheeler Yuta. You know right. he he and Jericho, you know tore it, you know tore it up at the start. I love the push Yuta's getting. You know he's the ROH Pure Champion. You know Blackpool Fight Club. You know I love mm-hmm. young guys getting good rub. Uh, I love that you know Eddie is still get still getting huge pops. You know he's is it? I mean he's not heel. Do we really call him? Baby face, uh, he just kind of does his own. Yeah, thing. I, I would. To me, Eddie Kingston has always been a tweener because uh, I've I followed Eddie for a very long time mm-hmm. on the on the Indies. Um, but yeah, so obviously when he was having the mock feud, he was a heel. Yeah, but he kind of lost that, and then they made up, and then ever since he's kind of just been back and forth. He, he'll do heel stuff, but I, I he's like Randy. Yeah. Um. It it doesn't really matter what he is because people who like him are going to cheer for him regardless. Yeah. Which I do want to say when Eddie quote turned face that was at the end of the exploding ring death match with the worst Eddie and then Mox yeah with the fir- with worst goddamn explosion ever. Like I, I it that was I'm gonna say this that was a good match it has the single greatest rope break of all time. When yeah. when when Kenny hits the one winged angel and Mox puts his foot on the rope to break it and explodes, yeah, because technically he didn't kick out. 
Um, Which is important to the mythos of the move because technically only like one, maybe two people have kicked out. I think ever. I think Hangman kicked out of it. Hangman has not, but Kota Ibushi has, and I want to say Okada has. Those are the only two in my knowledge. I'd have to go back and watch Hangman v. Kenny and make sure. I know Hangman hit one on Kenny, but we're getting off topic. Um, So after Wheeler and Jericho kind of had their thing, then it's kind of broke into an all-out fight. There was a moment here where Jericho threw Yuta into the steps, but it made just the weakest, like, thud ever. Like, you could barely hear it. Like, I I don't even know if it was a weak throw, but, like, you know how steel steel steps sound. And it, you know, and it just kind of went, like, there. it felt like there was almost no impact. Um, I loved it when, uh, uh, when Eddie, uh, and Suzuki were doing a chop-off. And, and, like, Eddie's chopping Suzuki, and Suzuki's things that he kind of no-sells it. Um, and then eventually he's doing the machine gun chops in the corner, and he's just like, what the fuck? Why is this guy not flinching? (laughs) (laughs) Because <laughs> that's like the toughest son of a bitch in professional wrestling for no reason. Dude, dude, you're oh god, you're right. Uh, we need a Wheeler Yuta versus Sammy Guevara solo match because they got some one on one time during this match, and holy fucking shit! Like, like I said, we need we need an absolute singles match because those two absolutely tore it up. I really like I yeah. really like Wheeler Yuta. If you can't tell. Yeah, Wheeler's though. I, I I see big things for him in the future. Uh, maybe not AEW World Champion, but I could definitely see if him sticking to the ROH path and, and maybe depending on how long Jonathan Gresham holds the title, uh, maybe beating him for it. I feel like a lot of like the really athletic dudes are the ones that hold like the TNT title, so that could possibly be a thing. Um, I was really impressed with uh, Umino, a- aka Shooter, like because. Mm-hmm. As me never seeing him before, like, I hope he sticks around in AEW. Because I, and given that Jericho blew a fireball in his face later, I could see that happening. Like, dude was, dude was just on fire. And he was, he was really, really fun to watch. I wrote here, he got to really strut his stuff. Like, fucking, let's give credit to Jericho, man. Like, dude, dude can still go. And he, he made everybody that he was in the ring with. Uh, like one on one, when people when it wasn't just everyone fighting each other, you know, w- was great. The ending was one of those really fast paced endings where everyone's just kind of hitting moves, and I love shit like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jericho Appreciation Society wins; they get the man advantage in um Blood and Guts this Wednesday. Yeah, which <laughs> I like. I kind of like how you know. How that match, how that match, how that match had had stakes, but I don't know. Like I understand, blood and guts is you know kind of TV pay per view esque. You know, I mean, obviously you don't pay for it, but like you know, it's it's one of their bigger you know TV deals, right? But I I don't know. Like I mean, the the match definitely deserved to be in the pay per view. It's just kind of weird because usually like stuff like that, like oh they get the man advantage or. Or something like that, or they get two men out. I feel like that's always something they do on Dynamite. But m- maybe yeah. they maybe they plan the match beforehand and was just like, "Hey, let's give it some extra stakes." Probably, it's usually stuff like that. 
But uh, speaking speaking of Wheeler versus Sammy, uh, Firefest twenty twenty one. Oh, that oh that we actually got that. We did get that match. However, obviously Wheeler wasn't in the position he's in now, so a run a run back would be nice. Yeah. So, but the match does exist. Right away. Most definitely. Uh, so that was a good opener. Then we had the winner take all three way tag: FTR versus Rapongi Vice. Versus United Empire. Uh, I knew nothing about United Empire, but I want to know. I want to know more about them because I like. I like Jeff Cobb. I always like you know bigger, you know, athletic big guys. But Great O'Conn is so is so fascinating to me. His his uh, his walk up, like the costume, like the question mark over his face, I thought looked sick. You know, oh. his look, like the braid looked really cool. His whole presentation and character work, you know, I absolutely fell in love with. He also has, like, the iron ass, or actually mighty ass, because uh, he <laughs> sat on top of uh, Dax, I believe, on the turnbuckle at one point. Uh, uh, I, I do really like Vice. Uh, I haven't watched too much of their stuff. Uh. I followed uh, Trent question mark on Twitter for a long time before I even right. knew what his uh what tag team he was in. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know FTR man, like I first saw them in WWE when they were losing the fucking Shorty G. Th- those were those were the dark days of our adventures, Morty. Um, and to see them just be treated like. Like, I mean, obviously, you know, they, they treat the Bucks like they're the fucking gods of the tag division, which rightfully so, the Bucks are still great. But, like, F- FTR is just on a whole different level in AEW. And spoilers, by the way, they win the match, which was great. Yeah. And that was, And I feel like that was probably the best bet because, obviously, I feel like they have the most name recognition, you know, at, out of all those teams. But... All, all of them looked really good. Actually, it wasn't Dax who got sat on. I'm sorry. That that was a uh, Cash Wheeler. Um, you know, I love the entrance. I love how everyone was holding up like seven star uh, uh, FTR and all that. Uh, now, I'm not sure if this was just a if this was a work or not. But Dax went out early with a shoulder injury. I want to say that was a work. Probably, uh, I I missed a, I missed a couple things uh, in in this match, but you know, uh, Cash was just kind of out of it for a while, and I liked I kind of liked that just because you know Vice, you know Vice, you know, and uh, you know Vi- you know Vice and then Con and Cobb just got just got to fucking just you know those two teams just got to show who they were who they were to the crowd. Uh, you know, they tra- traded back momentum, momentum a whole bunch. Um, what, there was a really good spot where there was, like, uh, I can't, where, um, I think, uh, Dax did, like, did, like, the double suplex, but as he was doing it, uh, Cash, uh, you know, did, like, did, like, the secret tag, and then, w- then went in for the cover. I think that was broken up by one of the other guys, like, uh, ju- jumping in to break it up, but... Mm. Like that that's that's really good just in ring IQ. Um unfortunately, uh and I I didn't get to go back and uh rewatch the ending to this match, but the ending for me got cut off by the stream snipers again. Right. Um but FTR won, which was pretty much what we were 
what we were expecting. You know, yeah. o- overall, pretty solid match. And, you know, it did its job of making me, like, want to see more, you know, you know, from Cobb and Ocon. You know, as as well as Vice, which which uh, I'm guessing Vice are a mainstay on the AEW now, which, yes, because... Yeah, I, I would assume so. Uh, Rock, Rocky Romero is, is was doing comment Last time I saw at least was doing commentary in New Japan, so I figured, like, this is, like, a fresh breath for him. So we, I can see him being AEW with best friends and, and Trent specifically for a good bit. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Which which it was kind of sucks because again, if you remember, Wheeler Yuta used to be a member of Best Friends, and there were there were some plans there for that, but uh, you know a lot of internal stuff changed, so he jo- ended up joining Blackpool Combat Club, which honestly is a way better fit for him. Yeah, that was um, something. Go ahead. Yeah, because uh, apparently, according to Trent, because if you, if you realize, Wheeler kind of just got shuffled in with Best Friends because Trent was out and, and they needed a spot, and Wheeler was an up and comer, and he was good at wrestling. Mm-hmm. And so when Trent came back, he was kind of playing the hard ass with Wheeler because he was being mean to him so he could prove himself, basically. And there was supposed yeah. to be a one-off match where Wheeler earned uh, Trent's respect, but now that's not going to happen. So it kind of just looked like Trent was a dick to him for no reason, and then he left. <laughs> and and so Trent was kind of upset about that. I remember reading an interview about that a couple of days ago. But, uh, yeah, but... um. <clears throat> I'm I'm excited to see what's next for Rupongi Vice and, and Best Friends in general because I, I love all those guys. Uh, but you say you don't know a lot about United Empire, so I'm I'm actually going to give you and the audience who don't know a very brief history lesson on New Japan in general. Okay. All right. So New Japan. New Japan. Bring you in. Right. So New Japan Pro Wrestling is is mm-hmm. a lot like AEW because there are a lot of factions. Right. There are eight main factions as of 2022 in in New Japan. We didn't get dark. There's the main unit, which is just guys who wrestle there who haven't really found a home for themselves. Uh-huh. Uh, there's, there's Chaos, which uh, Hiroki Goto and Yoshihashi are members of. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, there's the Gorillas of Destiny, who were kicked out of Bullet Club. That's Tamatanga and Tongaloa. Uh, they're also Samoan. Um, yeah. And, and so they, they kind of have their own thing now. Because, again, they were kicked out of Bullet Club by Jay White uh, during his impact run. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's L.I.J., which is Lost in Ginobili's Day Japan, which is like uh, Tetsuya Naito, a couple of other guys that are really, really good at wrestling that I can't wait you to get introduced to. Um, and uh, Andrade. Ooh. You know Andrade. Andrade yeah, used to be idol. a very popular member. And he oh. actually just started their AEW faction. Not too... Well, last week, actually, right? Yeah, uh, he started the AEW faction last week for L.I.J., Mm-hmm. Uh, the Suzuki Gun, which name wise you should know who who's running that. Minoru <laughs> Suzuki, baby. Uh, United Empire, which is the newest faction in, in well, I guess Gorillas of Destiny would be because they were they but were a tag team. That's, that's Osprey's group. Yeah, that? this is what Osprey's faction. And then obviously you know Bullet Club, which has a subsection run by uh, Evil, who is Eo Shirai. You're a big Eo fan, right? Yes, uh, of course, NXT. Right, yeah. So the, those are the eight, and then uh, so the United Empire because because when I was when I was a heavy New Japan, I I haven't watched like weekly or monthly like I used to. Uh, mm-hmm. but back when I was like a very heavy New Japan guy, to me there were only really four main factions, and that was obviously Chaos, Suzuki Gun, Lij, and Bullet Club, and then obviously the main unit was there, but those guys. 
kind of just do their own thing, or they're usually like free agent guys, like John Moxley. Yeah. So, but Bullet uh, Club's uh, kind of always been there, haven't they? And they just broke. Yeah, Bullet, Bullet Club. Bullet Club's been there since uh, Finn was like a, a mainstay. <clears throat> so that was, that was back in like oh eight oh nine, and then obviously AJ Styles came in. The leader with Bullet Club changes every couple of years when when that guy's done his done his time in New Japan and he goes on to do something else. Like Finn went to WWE, AJ went back with TNA, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But yeah, so to so to me, those were the main four because again, you see the main the main unit exists, but those are guys like either free guys who are free agents who just kind of work randomly or guys who've been in New Japan forever, but they choose to be like on their own. Yeah. Like Hiroshi Tanahashi, you know, uh, John Moxley, uh, Hiroshi Yamamoto, uh, Carl Fredericks is the main unit member, but he's in New Japan USA. I didn't even, I mean, I knew they had USA tied. I didn't realize that was a thing. Yeah. So uh, New Japan Strong is basically the USA version um, New Japan, so all it kind of it kind of ended up forming completely because of COVID. But it, there was always like a New Japan US run, but now New Japan USA is a full thing because it's easier for those guys who are in the company to be able to wrestle in America without having to you know travel back and forth and, and move. Mm-hmm. Because with COVID, especially with Japan wise, you you have to be cleared, so you have to like seclude yourself. Yeah. For stuff like that, right? Yeah, and then I imagine a lot of those guys, if they're not working New Japan, you know, they're working. They're working indie days. Yeah, yeah exactly. Ex- exactly, because I mean, because I mean, that's kind of what I like about AEW is that while well, they have a lot of, you know, they have a, they have a lot of stars in there, obviously, but a lot of these guys still go and, and work on and work on the indies. I mean, Moxley, I'm pretty sure is or at least was the GCW champion. He is currently. Okay. Uh, you know, so he's still a bad GCW champion. You know, I know Evil Uno uh, works a lot of indie dates. Um, yeah, a lot, a lot of those, a lot of those guys, you know, still have indie schedules, which, which is ab- which is absolutely wild. But I understand, you know, got to get paid, got to make that money. And if you have the time, why the fuck not? Right, but but in the case of the uh, United Empire, because that's what we were talking about originally. Yeah. Uh, well, Osprey used to be a member of, I want to say, Chaos. And he ended up turning on Okada at the time period. Ooh, okay. Which led to Will Osprey getting a world title run and forming uh, the United Empire, which was originally just Osprey, his, his former girlfriend, uh, Bay of Priestley. I don't know if they're still together or not. Um, and Great Okan. And, and it kind of just went from there. Because that, that's where I was, like, first introduced to Great Ocon just as a wrestler. Mm-hmm. And, and it kind of just went from there. Isn't Austin and, Open part of the United Kingdom? Yeah. Uh, so, Ozzy Open works in uh, Revolution Pro, which is, like, the premier. Which, th- that was the belt like, that Osprey yeah. was wearing. Yeah, he, he's been Rev Pro champ several times. But uh, Rev, Rev Pro is basically, at least from what I've seen, because I don't watch, like, heavy UK wrestling. Um, is like the premier like spot for UK wrestlers. Was McIntyre in, like, in that place at one point? I, I want to say yeah. A lot, a lot of the UK like uh, Killian Dane, McIntyre, et cetera, et cetera, have all like, made their way through uh, Rev Pro mm-hmm. or uh, any of the other places. Because again, any, WWE NXT UK kind of 
screwed over that whole. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. That happened. And then Jeff Cobb ended up joining, and then he adds Ozzy Open because they're in Red Pro and they're good friends with him and stuff like that. And so United Empire has kind of slowly made their way into a legitimate faction that's a threat. And uh, New Japan, because again, Will Ospreay at one point was the IWGP World Heavyweight Champion before he got sick. He had to relinquish the title. Um, Sad days. Yeah, Great O'Conn and Jeff Cobb are, are two-time champions at this point. Well, I'm assuming they'll be going for three very soon with FTR. Uh, Ozzy Open, uh, I want to say, are the Red Pro Tag Champ currently. I'd have to double-check that for sure, I'd... but if they are currently, I know they, that they have won them in the past. I feel like so they, would, they would have come out with with the belts if they were, since Osprey, Osprey was repping his. Right. And, and so, yeah. Alright, well... Uh, bleh. I I suck at I suck at transitions, but uh, thanks for the history lesson. God, God, yeah, no problem, bro. God damn! Like I didn't I didn't realize New Japan. Like I thought AW had a lot of fucking factions. Like Jesus. I mean, Christ. I mean, well, to be fair, they they had they definitely had more than eight. But yeah. those eight in New Japan are the entire roster. Yeah, I because I, like a lot of factions are just you know. Besides, like, the elite, you know, a lot of factions just kind of like, you know, hey, we're a thing, but we kind of do our own oh, shit, but we'll come out which and is you. Which is the same thing with with New Japan, mostly, besides, like, Bullet Club, obviously, because there's, there's such a... I don't want to say tight-knit, because, again, they'll, they'll drop somebody super fast, but at the same time, if you're Bullet Club, then you're Bullet Club for life, allegedly, because, again, people have been kicked out. Um... But yeah, the Bullet Club probably would be the only faction besides maybe Chaos that's consistently always together. And so you like you can be a member, and then obviously like you'll you'll team up for certain stuff if you're beefing with another faction. But but there are a lot of sub there are a lot of sub factions slash tag teams in every major one. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of goes like that because in United Empire alone, there there's what uh, Aussie Open, which is the tag team with Kyle Fletcher and Mark Davis. You got Great O'Connor and Jeff Cobb. Mm-hmm. You have Swords of Essence, which is T.J. Perkins, who I was a member I forgot about because he's working in New Japan Strong right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Will Ospreay. And then T.J. Perkins also has another tag partner in uh, Francisco Akira. And so it's kind of just like that. It, it's really it's really interesting though to see stuff like that, especially like learning just how different it is compared to America because in America, again, it's some of the biggest factions we've ever seen are four or five guys max. Yeah. Sounds like Nexon. I mean, the Four Horsemen obviously had four people and then they they either rotate members or expand slightly. I think at one I, point I think they had five members. Maybe six <laughs> at one point was like the biggest amount of Four Horsemen at the exact same time. Six, uh, six Horsemen. I, yeah, obviously Nexus had seven or eight people. Uh, the Shield had three. New Day had three. The Core had four. Yeah, the Core had four. We don't talk about the Core there. Uh, R.I.P. Heap Slater, you deserve better. I mean, he's injured, right? I mean, well, I, I mean, he made. I saw him. In, he's in Impact. Yeah, I know that. I know that. Yeah. Um. I mean, he made do with a lot of the stuff stuff he was given at the very least. He had that tag run up with Rhino that that got over pretty well. Yeah, that that whole. And he had all those kids. That whole run was dope, right? Him trying to get a job because he was the only person not drafted was, was all all that was really cool. 
I'm I'm the big Heath Slater guy. Now going back to uh the pay per view. Next up, we had the uh fatal four way for well, I actually it was just a four way. I didn't call it that. Uh, for the all Atlantic, yeah, WWE is the only people who say fatal four way, unfortunately. For the all Atlantic Championship, you know, essentially another kind of mid card esque like IC title kind of belt. I'm going to assume like this is the mid-card title. I've always looked at the TNT title as a, as a television championship because, again, I knew Probably, yeah. I knew they weren't leaving it anywhere but TNT, which is why it's mostly defended on Rampage now. Now, uh, so one thing about this match, this was Malachi, Be- bleh, Malachi Black, Pac, uh, Miro, who recently returned, and Clark Connors. Who was a last minute addition for was it Tanahashi? Who 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 did, who, who did Connors replace? Clark Connors. Who did Clark Connors? Well, anyway, uh, you know, and I kind of like you know, even though it was kind of last second, they played up that Connors was really like the odd man out in this match because he was. Because I I feel like I mean I had no idea who the guy was. Josh described him to me as uh, essentially New Japan's like hangman of sorts. And in the early going of this match, Connors was just getting his ass kicked, primarily by Miro, who looked fucking amazing in this match. Oh, right. It was Ishii. Ishii. That's who he replaced. Yeah, Tomohiro Ishii, who's a phenomenal wrestler as well. But like Miro, I think this was his first, well, I mean, first pay per view match back for sure, for sure. Uh, you know, now he's the redeemer. Um, and he looked fucking great. His presentation was awesome. I love the pyro. Fans were so happy to see him back. But yeah, like they like so there was a couple different kind of mini plot lines going on. Uh Connor's getting his shit kicked in by Miro. Meanwhile, Malachi Black and Pac were duking it out like almost the entire time because you know, you know, because, you know, they, they've been feuding in one way or another, you know, Death Triangle in House of Black. Um, right. And there's actually a really cool moment where um, it's like Miro, Pac, and uh, Malachi in the ring. Uh, Malachi has Pac down on the floor and he's stomping him. But then, yeah. but then like Miro's like, step aside and he starts stomping him. And Black's like, no, fuck you. And then he starts stomping him. And then they start oh. fighting over who's going to fight Pac. Uh, yeah, that was a really funny spot. Uh, now, I really liked um, that kind of towards the end when Connors like throws Miro through the table. And then he just starts going off. Like... I, I a lot of these matches had really good in match storytelling. This was among one of my favorites because Connors throws Miro through the table, and then he starts go then he starts going off, gets a lot of momentum, crowd hundred percent gets behind them, and he and he 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 gets in. God damn it! God damn it! God damn it! Uh, and then he he gets a really good near fall. You know, it's it's one it's it's one of those where the. It's one of those where the, the crowd like almost believed that this man was going to win, which that would have been a huge fucking upset. Right. Uh then we had this looked kind of rough, it was still a cool spot regardless. Uh Miro did like the three man uh power bomb. Um you know, for uh 
from the apron. Uh, I remember you made a comment about this because Pac went for his 450 splash twice. And the first mm. time it got countered, I can't remember from what. And you were like, and you were like, man, Pac's 450 splash is like one of the most countered moves. Or something along those lines. Mm. Um, but then at, at the end, uh, I think Malachi had um, Connors in a submission. Right, and, and this, this is where I once again complain because I'm really tired of a guy not paying attention while in a pin or submission position near the corner rope mm-hmm. or, or, or a turnbuckle, and then a guy climbs to the top, hits their finisher or a top rope move, and then gets the pin and wins because I'm just like, do y'all not watch wrestling? <laughs> well, I mean, so my version of that is when, like, someone's standing in the ring and, like, they're like, where is he? Where's that where's that douchebag I'm fighting? And it's like, these fuckers don't watch Drake and Josh, because all you have to do is just turn around and all your fucking problems are solved. Because oftentimes right. they get hit from behind because they don't know how to turn around. Uh, but Pac hits his 450 on black and and then ends up going for a submission hold on Connors. Uh kinda hate that Connors was the one to, you know, tap out. Which people complain that, you know, New Japan guys kind of took the brunt of of the pins or tap outs. And I can kind of see the complaints, but, you know, I still I feel like I feel like the, the New Japan guys, you know, I I feel like the, sure. the New, New Japan well, guys well, still got well, their due. Let, let's 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 actually look at this right now uh, as we're in into the pay-per-view. Mm hmm. So, Goto and Yoshihashi, who are members of Chaos, beat the factory. And it's Archer, who is still technically a member of the New Japan roster because he's in the G1, beat AEW wrestler Nick Camarado. So, that's, that's, mm-hmm. 2-0 for, that's 2-0 for New Japan. Swerve and Keith Lee beat Suzuki Gun and El Desperado and uh, Kanemaru. So, that's 2-1. Max Caster and Gun Club, a.k.a. Just Max and, and Billy Gun. Won a four-on-two handicap match against the LA Dojo. Plus two-two. Jericho Appreciation Society beat Eddie in those, but that was a mix of it, so that's a wash match. So we won't. beat the United Empire. So well, okay. So that. But I don't remember who took the pin in that. I don't remember either because because again, um. You know, stream cut out and have a chance to go back and watch it. So uh, I'll come back to that one in a second. And then we go into the match we're talking about now, which is Pac tapping out Clark Connor. So right now it's 2-3. So right well, okay, with 2-3. Right. P- pending, the, but then pending the FTR go- match. Right, going, going, t- pending the FTR match is 2-3, but then going into the Darby Allen. Uh, Shingo Takagi Sting versus Bucks match, which both sides had New Japan guys. So which both guys had New Japan guys because again the Bucks, Fantasma, and Hikaleo are all in Bullet Club. Mm-hmm. Shingo Takagi specifically gets the pin. That's right because he he didn't he wasn't really in that match for for super long, but yeah he hit he hit the finish. I can't remember who he pinned though. I want to say it was Phantasma. 
So New Japan. Yeah, because the best were outside. Yeah, Phantasmal got pinned. Who's also a really good wrestler, by the way. I no, so I this was my favorite match on the night. Um. Really. Yeah. So. Number one, I thought Sting was going to do the whole propelling down from the Raptors thing, but I feel like for reasons, probably shouldn't do that, but I want to just talk about just Sting in this match. Number one, this man's fucking 60, for God's sake, and he right. doing dives off of the goddamn entryway. So, Sting is definitely outmatched here in terms of the skill of Darby and all the New Japan guys. You know, especially the Bucks. Absolutely. But the way and this was another just really good kind of like, you know, you know, Bucks and Co. spot fest. The way that they portrayed like Sting though in this match. Like this dude no sold a super kick. Like he countered like some of their like really cool flippy shit moves with like some of his like simpler moves. Like Sting is definitely, like, Sting's mastered a lot of the fundamental moves and knows the moves of his that work and have gotten over. And even though Sting's not doing all the shit the Bucks or Phantasmo or Darby are doing, like, they made him look really good. The way, the, like, the way, like, the way that he countered a lot of these moves, the way he was portrayed in this match, he looked like he was standing toe-to-toe with this New Japan style of wrestling. That's part of why I really I really love love this match because Sting being old and a little stiff didn't disrupt the flow at no, all. Not at all. My my major concern for Sting here was that that dive in the beginning. Mm-hmm. His back was straight the entire time. He kind of just fell. And and that was concerning for me. Because he kind of just jumped and then just stretched himself out, and I was and yeah. I was kind of worried about that. But nah, he he was good. I love how they had pretty much a Sting doppelganger in the Raptors, and then he appeared with like the spotlight. That was really cool. Uh, so there was a move that Phantasma, Phantasmo, and the Bucks did called the Dermis Destroyer, where it's pretty much just all a flashy buildup and then just like some knocks on the back. But dude, I love I love dumb shit like that because crowds behind it the whole fucking time, you know, and you know, and that's part of why I love like Orange Cassidy shtick so much. Like crowds just behind it the whole time. It's like they're doing all this flips and shit and like fucking doing shit with their with their arms and then uh, Sting no sold a titty twister at one point and then did he the did. T- and then did the titty twister back. Um. And then there was a point, and this spot happened in a couple matches. This happened in the Suzuki match, where it's like everyone's diving to the outside. Um, like in the in the first match, like I think Sammy did a turnbuckle dive, then Yuta did a dive, Eddie did a suicida, and then Suzuki like you know hit the ropes, but then did kind of the Samoa Joe walk away, right from it. And this happened here with Sting. Um, you know, Dar- Darby did something. Probably Phantasma, one of the Bucks, did something. And then Sting looks like he's about to go full force. And he starts running. And then the Bucks and Phantasma jump in. Triple fucking super kick. And down he goes. 
Uh, and then, yeah, I mean, like I said, when I say like standard, like like Bucks affair, like you know, you know, there's shit like you know, super, like super kicks when pe- when people are flipping, you know, a lot of just really really fun spots. You know, I I feel like uh, the Bucks really have brought over that part of New Japan where again it's it's you know, and I quote Cornette here a lot, where it's just all like the really flashy flippy shit. I feel the Bucks have you know have really fucking like they've they brought that style over and they've just fucking ran with it. It's awesome. Right, but even even then, I'll I'll say like as a New Japan guy, it's. It's just like the Bucks, though, honestly. Because even some, even some of like the better, like super, well, some of the better junior heavyweights, excuse me, uh, don't really necessarily have that style. A lot of a lot of the junior guys are, are luchadors for sure, or high flyers. But then again, there are there are a lot of tech, there are a lot of technical guys too. Like there there are a lot of Daniel Bryan esque guys in New Japan. Zack Saber Junior, who we'll, who we'll talk about in a little bit here, is is a very Key member of that that role. I think the reason I love New Japan so much is because, like strong style, which is something you see a lot of from Shinsuke Nakamura mm-hmm. in WWE, it is what they're really all about. And I I feel like that's their core because even yeah. even their best like high flyers can kick the shit out of you. And, <laughs> and I feel like everybody takes that as a base, and then they just go with what they think they're best at. So yeah, the Bucks are definitely like you know all about flashy, flippy shit. But that's because they're the Bucks. They grew up watching the Hardys and, and TLC matches. Mm-hmm. That's that's always who they wanted to be. Even when they were Generation Me and TNA, which <laughs> I still think they should have. I still I still believe they should have got a TNA tag run there. The fact that they did um, amazes me. But like you you say that using strong style as a base. I could now that you say that I saw that with Osprey a lot. Yeah, Will, Will Ospreay was was four years ago probably one of the best high flyers on the planet. Everybody in their mom has seen, oh, you think wrestling is fake? Well, then watch this. And it's just him and Ricochet at a um, oh my God. a what culture at a what culture pro wrestling convention? No way, WCPW. Wow. Yeah, that, that was WCPW. I, I want to say that was their uh, uh, their world. Tour or whatever World Cup, yeah. I want to say that was our World Cup in 2018. Oh, please tell me that's up on YouTube. I gotta go watch that. Uh, yeah, the entire the entire uh, World Culture Pro uh, World Cup is there. I I think both are. I, I know there are two for sure because I've, I've watched one of them because Ray was in one. Oh, but yeah, that that was their what uh, that was their World Tour uh, Cup match. If I can speak English today, obviously. I mean, I can and, hear you, so you're good. Right. And, but Will Will and Ricochet have had a lot of singles matches where they do stuff like that. And, and you can see how much Will has, like, grown as a professional wrestler. Because mm-hmm. he's bulked up. He's bulked up massively. And because of that, being a member of Chaos and learning from guys like Okada, he was able to turn into, like, a more technical wrestler who could kick the shit out of you. Which is why his finisher isn't the Ozcutter anymore, which was a handspring, like into a cutter and now it's like the uh forbidden blade or whatever either well, which he, he is like hit. that elbow yeah he hit it but he, he wasn't he, he hadn't i haven't seen him win a master that in a while but he, he i think he uses because he used the storm breaker um yeah storm storm breaker and, and forbidden blade are like are the moves he uses now but he definitely set up to get into position with that with the oz cutter which is honestly probably still one of my favorite moves in wrestling 
Because Jay Lethal also uses it in his Lethal Consequences. Oh, I, I, I love these names, dude. Well, Lethal and Jackson, actually. Oh, With, that's even better. Yeah. Right. Um, I, we have, I, I didn't take too many notes about Takagi, because, again, he really didn't come in until, like, the very end. Yeah, Shingo's a phenomenal wrestler. Though. I think I think the more you get into New Japan, you'll see him. Yeah, I um, he was good though. Like, I mean, his little bit of offense ended up ended up, you know, being being the deciding factor. So, correct. So me, so yeah, so that was my favorite match because you know, Bucks doing Bucks things, athletic spot fest, and just like I said, Sting looked so good. He. You know the what the way like like I said he didn't interrupt the flow. They really made him feel like you know oh like you know this guy can still keep up with the younger guys. Right, but uh, back back to our whole the New Japan guys were taking the losses thing. Uh, because we we technically skipped over the Jericho appreciation side of any match. Uh, Jericho pinned Uma. Uh, so that that was kind of tough. Because he, yeah. he, he had to eat a juice effect. And then FTR pin Rocky. But I think technically he's more AEW right now. I, I, I consider those guys AEW at this point because they've been back for so, a little bit. So, again, for matches like that where it was a mix of styles, I, I don't know. But technically, because they're still signing with New Japan, two more NJPW guys did eat pins. Yeah, which... Well, I mean, here's the thing. Which would like, make that like two five. But like, what, like, what? I know New Japan guys won in like all the IWGP like belt related matches, which would make sense. Which makes sense because, you know, I mean, even though I know these AEW guys would be willing to go to go to Japan, you know, I could see Cassidy doing it. I could see any of those guys in the Fatal Four Way later. I keep going in the in the Four Way later, like going to Japan. But it makes sense for the New Japan guys to go over in those matches. Right. You know, it's kind of like when, you know, NXT invaded SmackDown and we got, like, Adam Cole versus Daniel Bryan versus, I think, somebody else for the NXT Championship. Like, it wouldn't make it wouldn't necessarily make sense to take it off of, you know, Cole then because, you know, just, you know, di- different brands or whatever. And, right. And man. What a time, though. What a time right? this was. That is, that is still, to this day, my favorite Survivor's here. It, Raw got fucked that night, I remember. That was my first Survivor's Series, actually. Should've. As they should have. Uh, yeah, no. But uh, speaking of um, old NXT, NXT alum, I guess you could say, uh, was in this next match. Thunder Rosa versus Tony Storm, which... There's been so in the go home for this. I remember um Tony had a match there, and mm-hmm. she, when she came out, um, you know she took off her sunglasses or whatever, and she went to you know do the thing where you kind of slide them into your shirt, and just kind of let them hang there. Well, the, mm-hmm. and it happened then, and it happened uh before this match where like I don't know what it what it was, but like. She like she slipped him into like you know her gear or whatever, but they wouldn't just like stay flat against her gear. Like it was like poking up a little bit, and like she was trying to grab it and adjust it during her entrance, and then she ended up just having just like just take him out as she was like well she took him out as she was going up the steps, so that was you know probably meant to be, but like during the entrance she was trying to grab it and, and like adjust it, 
And that happened on the fucking go home show too. I'm just like, poor Tony. But that's also related. Yeah, but but stuff like that, that, stuff like that, just makes you realize that they're human, which means you should leave them the f alone in the internet. Oh, one hundred percent. And that's not going to happen. Wrestling Twitter is literally one of the most toxic cesspools ever. And I know the minute I start circulating any of these clips on Twitter, I am going to get fucking crucified for the shit that I say. Because people, keep in mind, I probably should have done this when we started. I didn't start watching wrestling until 2019. My first show was WrestleMania 35, and then I didn't watch it again until SmackDown officially came to Fox. Which, right. a variety of, of emotions for that show, that, show, that show in particular. You know, I am by no means a wrestling expert. It's just, I've loved it so much these past about three years I've been watching it. Like, literally, it's been, like, one of the only pieces of media I've... Ooh, God, I got a burp. <clears throat> one of the only pieces of media I've consumed outside of a shitload of YouTube content and whatever the fuck's on Hulu. Um, But, you know, I say that, but even then, you know, I'm gonna get crucified by wrestling Twitter for something that I say. I mean, maybe? It depends, really, on if it gets tracked or not. We'll, we'll see. Um, But anyway, this was... So... I like how this match starts because, you know, with all of the, you know, spots and as I keep saying, you know, flippy shit and all the stuff all night, this match was, you know, was just, just kind of two women just, you know, just doing kind of more standard wrestling shit. And it was kind of refreshing, kind of a nice change of pace, but it, it kind of lost steam, uh, especially towards the end. Uh, I mean, there were there were a couple of, there were a couple of good spots. Um, uh, Tony did I think like a a suplex on the apron and then did a DDT off the apron onto the floor, which was nice. Uh, and I don't think Tony could have gotten concussed. I don't know. I I felt like she was having problems with her shoulder. Um, but she took a, a Rosa driver, and it looked brutal. It looked like yeah. she, she got dropped on her on her head almost. And the announcers were even like, you know, oh my god, that was fucking like, woo! Like, announcers sold that very well. Um, and like I said, like, the, the ma- I, I don't know, I forgot what Rose's finisher is. Um, but the uh, ma- she didn't use it. She used uh, Dustin. Okay, okay, yeah. And the, the announcers talked about that now, I, I remember. Yeah, she used Final Caller. Um, the the match kind of felt like it lost steam and like it was all right. But like I said, Tony looked like she might have been hurt. Like something was up with, I like I said, I think her shoulder. Cause I remember she was grabbing that at the end. Uh, and Bull, actually, you know what? Let's kind of use that to segue into the fucking injury bug because injury bugs fuck shit up before this show. And the injury bug was present during the show. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, God, like, uh, Brian Danielson got injured, like, a week and a half, two weeks before the show. Kenny's been out for such a long time. Yeah, uh, Tomura Ishii lost his fatal four-way spot due to a knee injury. Mm-hmm. Punk's out because he fucked his ankle up. Oh, uh... Adam Cole was injured before and during this this uh, pay per view. Mm. Uh, Jungle Boy is out. Um, 
Zack Ryder, a.k.a. Uh, Matt Cardona. Matt oh, Cardona yeah, you're the Philippines Heavyweight Championship. Yeah. They then, like, did the Impact have, like, a pay-per-view named after him that he couldn't wrestle in? Always ready. Yeah. yeah. Bro. It wasn't the Impact. It was uh, NWA. Oh, NWA had bro. always ready, yeah. Um, obviously, we, we have some WWE injuries as well. Uh, Roman, Roman's kind of biding his time to come back and stuff. Uh, Randy got hurt, which ruined some Randy's, Randy's out with a back injury. Big E's still out with his broken neck. He'll come back at the Rumble. And probably win. Uh, yeah. Hopefully. Um, there, there are a couple other people I Cody's unfortunately can't Co- Cody has his, uh, torn peck, which means he'll be out anywhere from six to nine months. Though everyone's expecting him to do the John Cena thing as well. Right, which is why I lowered it, because I'm, I'm thinking nine. But if it's six, then he'll be back right in time for Rumble season, so we'll see. Um... There are a couple of other people who I sadly can't think of at this exact moment, but, you know, you're also important, and I wish all of you speedy recovery. God bless. Right, no, wrestling's definitely... I haven't seen an injury bug like this since 2015-2016. When every major champion at WrestleMania 31 could not make it to WrestleMania 32. Wow. So that that would be... Seth Rollins, uh, I want to say like Cena, a couple other people. Because uh, that's when Seth, I want to say his knee like exploded when he was going for that powerbomb um, at a house show match against uh, Kane. It was, uh, and he was going to put him through a table and, and it kind of just, oh, yeah, it didn't work out. Um... So, again, transitions suck. Uh, let's go from something negative to something more positive. I am so glad I went back to rewatch this match. This is the match I was looking forward to all night. Osprey versus Cassidy. This if, is my match of the night, personally. This was, this came in such a close second to, to, to Bucks and Darby. This is the best singles match on, on the night, bar none. For sure, for I sure. Agree. Um, I liked what I saw from Osprey on the go home show for this. He didn't wrestle, but Aussie Open wrestled, and Osprey came in and he and Orange did a thing. Um, ha- like respect to Orange Cassidy, like he walked out and you know he's you know the whole emotionless thing, but he looked around. It's just like you could tell he was just awestruck by everything, but like he couldn't show it. How that man just stays emotionless. During during something as big as this, I mean, well, obviously he made expressions during the match, but like during his entrance, dude, like how that man could just keep his composure is just fucking beyond me. the The opening and ending sequences to this match were so great. The opening set the tone so well because Cassidy showed off his mobility with the hands in the pockets. Osprey showed up his athleticism and mobility. The first 30 seconds was just was just them countering and rolling, and there was a really cool Hurricane Rana. Like, the first 30 seconds was just fucking beautiful, you know, in, in this match. And then and then uh, Osprey did, like, a kind of a Str- Braun Strowman-esque around-the-world thing here, mm-hmm. which was really cool. But I want to do... This is my first Osprey match. I am in love with this man. 
Yeah, I've, I've been my, a very big Will Ospreay fan for a long time. Dude, my favorite um, thing. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I just I want to say this right now. Yeah, of course. His in-ring character work, his emotions, his facial expression, how he plays to the crowd. Oh, it's fucking great. Uh, he did like this after like taking Cassidy down. He did like the sit-ups while Cassidy was just laying there. He did. Yeah, that, uh, that was he put he put he did like the submission hold and put the hands in the pockets and brought out the middle finger. That was fucking great. Uh and then my favorite spot of the match was when because he kept doing well, so he did actually no, so let, let me backtrack. Cause he he did like the orange Cassidy like weak shin kicks, but was doing that to his head. Yeah. Like to the back of his head to fuck with them and then he was doing like the actual like holding them down and doing like like the big kicks to the head but then Cassidy later counters that uh by doing his you know orange Cassidy kicks to the head you know oh 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 but then just starts rapid fire kicking and the c- <laughs> crowd is like woo like the like both these guys Polar opposite characters, but they got they let their character work just shine here. And it was so fucking great. And this match brought back kind of the faster pace of some of the earlier matches in the show. And was the kind of, you know, pace I was really I was really looking for. And just Orange Cassidy is just such an unreal, unreal athlete, too. Uh there was a spot here where uh he threw Osprey to the outside, did a suicida, and when he did that, like, he landed, and Osprey bounced off the apron, and then, as he kind of stumbled back forward, Cassidy grabbed him and threw him in. Like, that looks super smooth. And and then Cassidy's about to go back in for something, like, jump back in for something. Um, but then, like, Aussie Open's messing with him, so then he backflips onto Aussie Open, and then gets back in the ring and, and does what and does what the hell ever he was going to do. Like. And then here's another thing I wrote, because it was this match where I realized it. New Japan is the fucking king when it comes to kicking out at 2.9. They are the oh, fucking kings of near falls. Which which is again because a lot of management, specifically the Bucks and Kenny are from New Japan, and that's where they made their, like, living, which is why, again, I'll, I'll say all the time that if it wasn't for, like, New Japan and ROH and not giving Bullet Club or at least the Elite what they wanted, AEW wouldn't exist. Oh, 100%. And, and uh, you, you can tell that their styles match really well because of that, because Tony Khan's also a really big fan of ROH and New Japan. I mean, he brought ROH back, for God's sake. Yeah, I mean, there, there are tweets from back in, like, 2012 and 13 talking about how ROH was losing, like, Brian Danielson, CM Punk, uh, Cesaro, et cetera, et cetera, and how it would be different. Because he's, he's always been a really big fan of Claudio. And uh, someone brought up, like, a screenshot of a tweet from him back in 2012 talking about Claudio leaving to go to uh, NXT for the mm-hmm. first time, not the second time. But back when NXT was still kind of in its infancy, and right, right before they had the title and everything, when he was Antonio Cesaro. Like I'm gonna be um, real. I thought Antonio Cesaro was his actual name. No, <laughs> no, it is not. And they just shortened um, it to Cesaro when he got to the main. Yeah, 
Yeah, they did that to me, uh, Rusev, too, because it was Alexander Rusev. Uh, Alexander that Rusev? Yeah, Rusev, Rusev's name in WWE originally was Alexander Rusev. What the fuck? I thought his name would have been Rusev, some Bulgarian no. last name. Alexander Rusev. Uh, and that's Neville, aka stupid. the bastard uh, Pac, or Pac, however you want to pronounce it, um, was Adrian Neville. And then it became just Neville because WWE has a very weird fascination with taking away first names. And now they take away last names. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. Yo, uh, actually, something we skipped over is that we didn't talk about how well deserved that All Atlantic victory was for Pac. Oh, no, absolutely. I, I, I love him. Um, I'm Because, again, he was like one of the first like mm-hmm. WWE transitioners. Even though he'd already been gone for the company, like when AEW was in his infancy. Well, he was in the first pay per view. Yeah, I, I feel like for him, he was like one of the first, like, oh, well, he's just another WWE guy. No, fuck you. To like be right. Because again, I remember Pog from Dragon Gate. And Dragon like, Gate? yeah, just being on the Indies in general and PWG and stuff like that. Uh, that's, where I, that's where I know him from. Um, but yeah, no, it, it was really nice to see because again, he was like one of those first like big name guys who came from the other side and stayed. Because again, Ray was out, Ray was at all in too. That's right. Well, well, all out, and he was at the first like pay per view. Yeah, and and Ray and Ray ended up going back to WWE after he left Lucha Underground. And and so it was, it was nice to see one of the guys like believe besides Jericho obviously because Jericho was like the WWE guy, he stick to it because obviously he could have gotten upset with the fact that Jericho was, was which was needed obviously because they needed a big name to be the first champion. But then Moxley came in because he was like the second biggest name you could get at the time period because he was like the free agent everybody was wondering about. Yeah, and even and even like some of the newer guys like Malachi Black. Keithley and Swerve were, were kind of getting more attention. He was falling by the wayside. And I, and I was really wondering what the future held for him. And, and, and Pac's always been a guy who he's been in those main event matches. He's been in championship matches. He's had his shots. Um, you know, he I know he had the triple threat with, uh, with Kenny and, and Orange, Orange Cassidy. For the world title. You know, I mean, he's, you know, I know he's, was he? I don't know if he ever had any tag title opportunities, but like yeah, he he and Pentagon took on the Bucks at one point. Okay. When uh, Ray Phoenix was out. But the, and, and that's so the, yeah, that's Bucks the thing. had the opportunities, but they've never been able to like really cash in on it. So seeing him become the first All Atlantic champion was really nice to see. As a, as a not even just as a Pac fan, but a, a, as an Adrian Neville fan, like mm-hmm. the first ever longest reigning NXT champion, like as as <laughs> that fan. Well, yeah. wait, did he beat did he beat Bo or did Bo beat him? No, he beat Bo. Because Neville, yeah, Neville lost to Sammy. Yeah, he beat them. That's what it was. Bo, he you, beat Bo. You have to Bo. So Bo Dallas was the first. Yeah, Bo, Bo Dallas was the first. But seeing seeing Neville like be like a credible NMC champion and then seeing that transition from him to Sammy and then Sammy to me with KO. Probably one of my Probably my second favorite era of NFC. Because 2017 to 2019 is my favorite. But the twenty the 2014 to 2015 era is, is definitely a close second. 
I just want to say, shout out to shout out to Bo Dallas for siphoning checks from WWE for two years. Oh, thanks. I, I don't blame <laughs> him. Now he's in real estate, and I'm 95 percent positive he's dating Liv Morgan. Oh, let's so, go. Because uh, I know they opened a, I know they opened a real estate business together, but I, I wouldn't just do that with a random friend. But then again, I probably wouldn't do it with somebody I just got in a relationship with. You. I don't know that relationship, but either way, good for both of them. Um, Liv deserves better. Yeah, no, yeah, I, I love Liv. I hope she wins Money in the Bank, but that's that's another topic for another day. The oh, Money in the um, bank, Money in the Bank's next week, I think. Yeah, something like, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah cause it, but there, there, there's a there's a spot in this Osprey match that I really really like. It's the it's the backbreaker spot, right? Because uh, he because he spins him, and he and he follows with it, so it's like a Cesaro swing or whatever. And then yeah. he hits the backbreaker, and then Cassidy continues to spin as he lets go of him, and then he's grabbing his back. And I'm like, that's a really cool interp- uh, interpretation for that. I've never seen that. Before. Oh, hell yeah. I, rem- I remember that. That was kind of towards the beginning, I think. I mean, uh, Cassidy sold so well for for a lot of Osprey's moves. Um, also, uh, the, the little, like, imitation is, is the most sincere form of flattery thing between them when uh, Will does his superhero landing, and then... Uh, <laughs> And then Orange is like, okay, wait, cool. I can do it, too. And he puts his thumb up. Yeah. And Will grabs his thumb like uh, he's about to break it, like Pete Dunn does. And I thought that was a really cool. Oh, my bad. Butch, his name is Butch now. No, God, I, God I hate pro wrestling sometimes. I really do. Um, but this isn't this isn't about me shitting on WWE. I've been a lifelong fan. I'm allowed to. Um, but no, again, this was a really solid match. I, lo- I love the back and forth. I, I, again, I love the pocket spot. Uh, the fact that Will Ospreay hit, hit a backflip, Cassidy Rose, he hits another backflip, Cassidy Rose, he hits the front flip, Cassidy Rose, and then he hits a, uh, that, that, that whole sequence when he was on the, on the middle rope and he goes for the, uh, the, uh, moonsault, and, and mm-hmm. Cassidy kind of just rolling the entire time, and then he finally gets a, the front salt. Yeah. Into a into a standing shooting star press was phenomenal. Oh yeah. Will Ospreay is unbelievably talented, yeah. and I don't think he gets enough credit. And, and especially since he's bulked up so much, people forget he can still do that. Mm-hmm. And that was, that was just really nice. To see. I, you know, I think the that standing shooting star that was after Cassie like threw his head into the GoPro, and they dislodged it. I think Shivani said something like, "We're in your living room." <laughs> oh my God, that should be the ne- after blood and guts. That should be the next AEW TV pay per view. AEW uh-huh. in your in, in your living room, not even in your house like NXT, but in your living room directly. That's like <laughs> the and then I'm gonna watch it in my bathroom just to be fucking petty. <laughs> Have we ever had a wrestling match in a bathroom? Not. To my knowledge? That would Wait. be super fucking hard. Wait. I feel like a backstage brawl has been in a bathroom. I mean, there was... And then... Sheamus and Jeff Hardy had that cinematic match where I know Hardy shoved his face. In the bar fight. Yeah, yeah. And he shoved his face into the, uh... Into the urinal. That was, like, kind of the birth of, like, Sheamus' modern gimmick, too. Because that was when he started yeah. wearing the hat and the suspenders and shit. Yeah, the Peaky Blinders era. But, but yeah, just going back to this match, this really was a fucking great match. 
So the end sequence where, like, Cassidy hits Beast Break, but he couldn't hit the Orange Punch. That was countered twice. There was a... Uh, well, he countered... The, uh, so Cassidy counters the, sto- uh, the Stormbreaker into an mm-hmm. amazing DDT. Uh, then Osprey does his finisher. What was it called again? Uh, <laughs> the, he, the Which one, one? The one where he's like hitting him in the back of the head, kind of. Oh, Forbidden Blade, I think. Yeah. yeah. He hits that, and Cassie kicks out at two. And again, great character work because Osprey was just like, What the fuck? Because uh, I think Cassie countered two of the, or kicked out of two of those. And then the last Stormbreaker ended up being, um, ended up being, uh, the uh the, the decider like i said the beginning and ending sequence were the best part were like the, some of the best parts of this match and i i, I love the result because it you know a truly great wrestling match is one where both parties even the losing party looks equal to their uh opponent or just about and that was exactly what this match was and I'm so, so fucking glad that I went back and watched this match in full again. Right. My, the thing I was mostly excited for after this is Hidden Blade, not Forbidden Blade, by the way. I, forbidden Blade. Door was, yeah, yeah, it was bothering me. The Forbidden Blade! Uh, right. So, so after the match, when, when Osprey successfully hit Stormbreaker the second time, and, and, and Ozzy opened in Osprey, then attacked Orange Cassidy because that's mm-hmm. what he'll do. Trent and Rocky come out after their match. I'm sure they weren't too fresh, which means they also get taken out. And then Katsuyori Shibata comes out, which means I'm assuming this is the next opponent for the uh, uh, the International Wrestling Grand Prix United States Championship, which is going to be a very amazing match to see. Mm-hmm. Comes out and takes out uh, Osprey and Aussie Open. Cassidy gets up. He and Shibata have their face to face. Puts the glasses Osprey on. Puts it- yeah, puts the glasses on. That's that's probably one of my favorite things right now. <laughs> oh, also, I know you're not gonna be able to see this, but like, there's a, I know that there's a certain way that wrestlers like do run-ins. They never fucking like they never use their arms. Like it's 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 always like I don't know if the if the camera's gonna be able to catch this, but it's always like fuck. It's 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 always like arms kind of like straight down like 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 at the hip, kind of mm-hmm. like they never they never look like they're actually fucking running. Right. Eddie Eddie Kingston does a better job at it because at least his are at his side like he's like pushing. But it, yeah, it's it's really weird. It I. I think it depends on the wrestler sometimes because because some people like run normally. Or at least jog at a decent pace and then slot in. Mm-hmm. I also think it's easier for them to do that because it's easier for them to put their arms on the canvas and then just slot in. Like, oh. That 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 might be it because oftentimes when there's a run in like that, it's a run in immediately into a slide. Yeah, and then and then either they pop up fast enough or they get kicked in the head and then they kind of get stomped on and they work their way back up. Yeah, but listen, no one runs to the ring more beautifully than Pat Robinson at Mania 25 when when uh, <laughs> when, when Taker hit the tombstone, but the ref was out, and then the, everyone's like, where's the ref? <laughs> I 
Alright, so this next match, I had to go back and rewatch this as well um, for a couple of reasons. Mm-hmm. I nearly fucking... This match went a lot longer than I thought it would. But with, with, which one? Next match we're about to talk about or the Osprey? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, no, uh, Claudio. I nearly fucking cried. Let me explain why. Yeah. Number one, I just, I love Claudio. I love his work as Cesaro. Um, n- never tapped out to Roman, by the way. I feel like there were plans for Cesaro to be that next Universal Champion. There weren't. I, I'm, I'm gonna crush your dreams there, bro. Yeah, my dreams. There, there weren't. Ro- Roman, Roman wasn't losing that title until he faced Cena, Rock, or Brock in a rematch. There's only one. Or our first time ever. And there's one, only yeah. one he hasn't faced yet. But um, but I nearly cried because number one, I love Claudio. Number two, his theme was so goddamn cathartic. It's kind of like Danielson's theme, where it's like a play on kind of like a more classical song. I don't know what song it is. I might be, but I mean, you know, like it was a remix of that, and just like hearing that hit, seeing the crowd pop and Claudio just just coming out, just looking around. Like number one, I screamed at the top of my goddamn lungs when I saw him come out. Mm-hmm. Um, but just like. Seeing him there, seeing the reaction, and just hearing just that epic, just like that was such a cathartic moment. Like that, his whole theme's cathartic. Just like, like I said, I nearly fucking cried just on how amazing that moment was. And then he nearly fucking squashed uh, Saber Jr. too. Cause he, like, I was really concerned for a second for Zach. I was like, "There's no way they squashed is like one of the best technical wrestlers in the world in five seconds, right?" And I don't know what I would have done if he hadn't kicked out. Being honest, but I'm glad he did because I just got to show how how good Claudio is in the ring. Like oh, Claudio, so he was a powerhouse this match. He looked fucking great. Um. When I first watched this match, I was like, wow, Sabre's gotten in no offense. But here's the thing. When I looked back, um, I liked this match better on the second watch because Sabre's offense was a lot more kind of understated, but yeah. unique. Because like, he was right. like putting uh, Claudio in like, arm bars, like draped over the ropes, and at one point draped over the apron. There's a reason that him versus Brian was so hyped up and people were ready for it because it's like the two two of if not the two best technical wrestlers on the planet God, that would have had like the the ultimate chain wrestling match that chain and wrestling would have been so nutty we were denied that but I'm, I'm sure down the line we'll get to see it oh 100% but yeah I like because Brian has mentioned wanting to work in Japan so but yeah like I said like Sabres Offense was a lot more subtle and understated, but but I like that. Um, but goddamn, Claudio looks so good. Um, there was a moment where Claudio was like face down on the apron, and his like Claudio has a nice ass. Okay, I'm just gonna be blunt. Claudio has a nice ass, and there's just a moment where Saber's like working his fingers or something, and Claudio's just face down on the mat, 
and his ass just sticks out like clear as day. Like it, hmm. I even tweeted. I even tweeted at him and said and said Claudio is a nice ass. Didn't get a favorite. I was really hoping it would. <laughs> um, but yeah, Claudio really looked like he was having a shitload of fun here. Uh, at one point, the uh th- the swing was countered into a uh into a guillotine, mm-hmm. which was really good. Like again, like I I, I even though. Technical wrestling isn't necessarily my my cup of tea, but I can res- I can absolutely respect it. I, I yeah, can- as, as a former amateur wrestler, I have to acknowledge that it's it's a part of wrestling and that it's it's a good part of wrestling. And like it, it really feels like a lot of Saber's offense really just came from countering uh from countering Claudio's moves, but like but but like like I said, like I like that I like that part about. And yeah, and you know, Cla- Claudio wins, and he's all elite. He's part of the Blackpool Fight Club. Here for it. Have my goddamn babies. Give him every championship. Make him the lone tag team champion of Blackpool Fight Club. I don't care. <laughs> oh, that's Samoa Joe. <laughs> the the belt collector of AEW. And no question, because this will come up later. What's Claudio's yeah. beef with Kingston? Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> what do you uh, mean, yeah, ha, ha, ha? Yeah, no, uh, let's just say Eddie doesn't really make friends. And, uh, he, he and Claudio have some history. Like, actual, like, real life history, or, like... I, I don't know about beef, but they, they definitely have some matches that were kind of... Kind of... Also, Eddie's just kind of hard to work with. I mean, if you haven't noticed. <laughs> yeah, he's still awesome though. All right, so next up, this is probably the match I was looking forward to the second most: the four-way for the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship, which I I pointed this out before, and oh, I only... but before you get back into that, did you not see the tweet? I thought you were joking. I did not see the tweet. What tweet? Okay, so um, when when Claudio was released, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Eddie tweeted, "All I'm gonna say is he doesn't have the balls to come to AEW." Oh no! And so later, t- later that night, he tweets, "Well, look who's grown a pair!" Ha 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 ha! LOL. Yeah. And uh, they they've wrestled each other before. I don't I don't know if there's like real life real life heat, but they did have an altercation backstage. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what's what, but yeah. That so has... I thought I thought you were just you know trying to get content, but you 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 legit didn't. Yeah, yeah. No, I legit yeah, didn't. No, yeah. like like they argued after at the end of the show, but I legit didn't know what the hell their beef was. Yeah, no, no, that's that's the thing. That's so fucking funny, though. Um, but so in the four way for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship, I I call it the Gold Divas Belt because I really like the joke that's that people made that looked like the Divas Belt, which I person I've always actually really liked the belt personally, and in mm. person like around like uh Jay White's like waist looks fucking phenomenal. Yeah, it's a, it's a great belt. I mean, even if it's not. 
like the uh, the old IWGP World Heavyweight Championship, it still looks a lot better than many championships in professional wrestling today. I'm not gonna name names because again, I'm not I'm not here to take shots, but y'all y'all know what I'm talking about. It's it's not as simple as just changing the color of the strap or the background. Titles need that's to such look and feel good like shit though. <laughs> Uh, For all of them, though? I miss Wyndham. Yeah, yeah I, miss, I miss Bray, too. Neither here nor there. Bray, Bray, Bray was it? Actually, I don't know if I, if, if I should say that. But yeah, you know I, was, I don't know if you can say that joke. <laughs> Bray was his uh, alternate continuity name. <laughs> alternate continuity. <laughs> Uh, so, so I, so I'm an indie guy uh, myself, and you know, and you know, I I do stuff for a couple different promotions, and it's like I have to keep everything separate, but we share right. we share similar crowds. So if someone goes, "Hey, didn't this that the other happen in the other company?" and 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 I'm like, I'm just gonna be like, "That's an alternate continuity, you moron." <laughs> that that's gonna be my planned comeback. Uh, I'm here for it. Anyways, so this four way was was a little bit underwhelming. And part of that has to do with the end, which was it confirmed that Cole had a concussion or got concussion? I, I wanna I wanna say no, but I haven't really looked. So I'll I'll do you that favor real quick. But it definitely looked like Cole got hurt mm-hmm. and he couldn't continue. But I mean, like, I mean, there was... Yeah, okay. It, yeah. It's confirmed. Most people believe he had a concussion. Damn. Because, I mean... I, I'm assuming it was the elbow drop, or... Maybe. Because, like, from what you told me, Josh, a lot of New Japan matches kind of have, a, like, a really slow build. But I imagine yeah, sure. it's, it's like a slow build with like a big finale. I mean, there's still some. Yeah, that's usually what ends up happening. I mean, and there were some good, there were some good spots here. Uh, Hangman had a really good House of Fire at one point. Um, ok- Okada hit a really good drop kick to knock Cole off the apron. Um, I Hangman had a spot where he was gonna do his buckshot lariat to I think Jay White, but it it like took forever because like one time uh. Like, he got distracted. Like, he got, like, his ankle pulled. So, Hangman goes up to the top turnbuckle and, like, backflips. And then he tries to do it again. But then Jay White, like, rolled out the ring or something. So, he had to go beat up Jay White some more. And then finally hit it. Um. And then there were just so many goddamn super kicks in this match. Like, super... I mean, well, yeah, between Adam and, and Jay... Alone, I, I would expect a good amount, I'm but just, I, I've seen Hangman throw. That's okay between Cole and Jake, excuse me, because mm-hmm. there are two Adams in this match. <laughs> Five, uh, even even Page has been known to throw a couple. Yeah, yeah. Just uh, never forget. Um, was it all out when Hangman? Oh wait, no, 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 no. That was only one, I think. But one of the times that Hangman uh, fought Adam Cole, um. The crowd uh, instead of fight uh, forever, it was a uh, it, it was fight for Adam, and then the, mm-hmm. and it was fight for Adam. Adam sucks. 
God, I love wrestling crowds. And the, the I mean, and this match did did get a fight forever chant, which I think only happened like one or two other times uh, tonight. So crowd right. was definitely into it. The final pinfall, like regardless of Cole possibly having a concussion, was just kind of con. Uh, it made sense in the context of the match because White and Cole were right. going after each other the whole match. Mm. But White hit his move, his finisher on Okada. But okay, then... so here, here's my speculation, right? Mm-hmm. I'm sorry to cut you off. No, you good. Cole was supposed to take a Rainmaker, which is one of the most protected finishers in professional wrestling. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's Rainmaker in the days. One wing angel. Those are the three. Those are the three, for sure. Mm-hmm. And and so I'm assuming because Jay didn't see him hit it with, or maybe he did see it because Cole fell right because again concussion he couldn't get himself up, mm-hmm. so he kind of rolls out of the way. You could see Adam not being okay when he rolled out of the way in a weird way because instead of rolling out he kind of just rolled to the corner. Yeah. So Jay. Hits the switchblade on Okada and then goes for Adam because again Adam was the one who turned first because they were working together the whole match until Adam hits Jay White with the backstabber and then that means it's literally everybody for themselves and which means they start to go after each other in the match. I don't remember. So it wasn't storytelling aspect for sure. Hmm? I don't remember Cole getting hit with the Rainmaker though. It was a thing. Yeah, because he fell. He was supposed to. But he kind of just collapsed to the oh, ground. Gotcha. You, you remember when Okada was picking him up and he was setting him up for it, and then he kind of just fell. So Okada kind of just walked into Jay. That I, I want to say that was Jay improvising because he saw what happened, but he assumed that's just maybe Cole was out of it in that moment. So he goes for the pin on Cole. Mm-hmm. He's assuming the kick out, and also that's kind of the ref's fault too, because he wasn't really paying attention. Because I assuming the ref was thinking a bigger kick out was gonna happen. Which is why, because, yeah, because I mean, I'm not, I'm not so a ref by any means, obviously, but as a person who's wrestled before, if my shoulders aren't on the mat, but you can't see my shoulders, mm-hmm. I have to work harder to make sure it looks like my shoulders are up. Yeah, which is which, which honestly, fair point on my up. opponent for covering my shoulders, but mm-hmm. also at the same time, it's your job as a ref to make completely sure. Because again, in amateur wrestling, it's not a three count; it's a one count. If my shoulders are down for for long enough for you to see my shoulders are down and your hand hits the ground, that's the end of my match. And that's not fair. Because there's definitely been times where my shoulder was wide up, but because, again, I wrestled heavyweight in 220 my entire college, I mean, my entire high school career. If a big dude was on me and, and he was laying freaking uh, perpendicular to my shoulders, I was done. <laughs> because he couldn't see my shoulders. So I've definitely lost matches where my shoulder was up, but but I couldn't physically push this other six foot two fifty pound guy off of me. <laughs> I lost. And, and and that's the thing, cause like, cause that, cause his shoulder, he got his left shoulder up, but it was very faint and weak. Yeah, it was very subtle because again, he was probably more than likely concussed. Which... So to him. If anything, not only did he probably hear the count late, so he just assumed where he could throw it up, but the ref wasn't looking at him. He was looking at Jay. And he got his shoulder up a little bit late, I think, too. Or it was probably going up as... It was mid-three count, literally. It was like one, two, three, shoulder, three. 
He was on like the R of three. And his shoulder like kind of pumps off the ground for a second, but the ref doesn't see it, so he finishes the count. So kicked out at three point one. May- maybe like, cause it's not two point nine. Three point one. But yeah. Okay, fine. Three, but, but three point like, zero five. Yeah, I'd say that. <laughs> which, which isn't cold salt because technically his shoulder was up before his, the hand landed. Okay, so I'll do it like this. Yeah, usually it's 2.9. Yeah. Most cases when it's 2.9, it's 2.91. In Cole's case, it was 2.99 repeated. So it rounds up. So it rounds up to the three. Dang. But it, it, it literally was 2.9999 right before it rolled over. And cause like, cause I could tell like the reaction from the crowd, like they were like, I saw a couple people throw their hands up, like what? Yeah, for sure. You know, you, all right, bro. You're a co- you're a former college student. You know, how you submit a sound at eleven fifty nine, and that's the deadline. Yeah. Cole kicked it at eleven fifty nine fifty nine. That's a way better example. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> that's Cole, funny. Cole kicked out on time. Just, he kicked out at eleven fifty nine fifty nine. Like, like he's one of those dudes who are dickheads. So it's like, oh, I'm gonna turn my assignment in at the last minute. No, he's turning his assignment in at the last second. Maybe eleven fifty nine fifty six. So it's like those four seconds are enough for it to load the page to submit it. Because you know sometimes it's like all right loading, and then it's like successfully submitted. So like yeah, leeway with that. Like five seconds, but it definitely happened, and it kind of sucks. But it is what it is. Yeah, because like and I said, it was still a pretty good match. I've definitely seen worse fatal four way. Oh no, for sure. I'm not necessarily saying it was a bad match. It just. It didn't. It didn't get that big finish that I felt like it. It, it, it was kind that. of a letdown for sure, one hundred percent. And I'm sure eventually we'll see something like it in the future because I doubt this is the only time Forbidden Door happens. Hopefully, maybe when the injury bug isn't like we're rolling around, so we do get like Tanahashi and Punk. We we get Saber Junior and Brian Danielson stuff like Penny that. Kenny Okada. Yeah, well, maybe Kenny Okada happens sometime in an AEW ring, which would be. Kenny Okada, Omega Okada 4 in an AEW ring, I'm absolutely all for. 100%. Hell yeah. Um, but no, that's just the way life works sometimes, especially in pro wrestling. That You, you adapt and move on, and, yeah. and uh, Jay White found himself well enough after the initial show of disappointment. Um, but I knew Adam was hurt for sure when the Bucks walked out non-K-Fate. Because they kind of just ran past uh, Jay to check on Adam. And I was like, all right, cool. Something's definitely wrong. And they, and they, we I mean, well, obviously they changed out of their gear probably. But, yeah, they weren't in gear either. Yeah, no, they were, they were in their, like, uh, shirts and shorts. So they, they were – I think they were in the EVP status at that point. But still, um, so far, really good pay-per-view. But we're moving into the main event here. We've had – 12 matches so far. This is the 13th, and it goes for 18 minutes. Yeah. This match just felt like an underwhelming finish to me. I didn't hate it. I, I didn't really hate any of these matches, but mm-hmm. I, Moxie's had better matches. I'm sure Tanahashi's had better matches. Oh, absolutely. But then again, Tanahashi's 45. Okay, I, did, okay, he, I didn't he, know that. Yeah. Absolutely fair. Yeah, 
because he he he's aged very well for sure. Um, but unfortunately, you know, just injuries pile up. So Tanahashi doesn't move nearly as fast as he used to, which is completely understandable. I don't hold that against him. Uh, and Moxley has always kind of been a slower worker. Like I've seen, yeah. we've obviously seen him as Dean Ambrose match the speed of his opponent, and then match the speed of Kenny Omega. Mm-hmm. With Vertigo, by the way, which is a testament to how amazing Kenny Omega is as a wrestler. That he wrestled with Vertigo for a year plus. Um, but John Moxley, to me at least, because I've seen him pre and post WWE, has always been a very slow worker. He'll, he'll yeah. pick up when need be, but that match is 100% his style and it always has been. Um... I don't have any issues with it because I was expecting a slow build match because of just the way their styles would clash. Uh, my only complaint, again, with this is John Moxley does not have to bleed every major match. <laughs> it's not a John and Moxley match somehow, unless he gets busted open. Uh, and yet somehow he finds a way. I don't know if he's blading or he's or his fucking uh, temple is just that soft. But without fail, John Moxley has a crimson nap at the end of a world title match. And I'm just like, bro, it's okay to not do that. He likes it. But uh, this, this was definitely like a traditional like uh, New Japan style world title match. And I'm fine with that. And I, and I understand, again, because I told you specifically and Cody when he mentioned trying to go to... Uh, Music City Mayhem in Nashville. Mm-hmm. If you don't like the world's greatest wrestling match, aka Edge Orton 2, then more often than not, the New Japan style isn't for you because they build their matches that way. Yeah. It's, it's a it's it's a, it's kind of a slow build thing that picks up at moments and then and then goes all out towards the finish. Which, as you can attest to, you saw with both the IWGP uh, World Heavyweight and the Interim AEW World Championship match. Oh, and, he, and even like the U.S. Uh, heavyweight championship match with Orange Cassidy. I felt I feel like Austin. like that match, like that match had like the big finish. Jericho uh, Appreciation Society versus Kingston and Co. had the big finish. I don't know. I didn't feel like. You know, I didn't feel like this really, that match really had the big finish, and the the crowd was, uh, like the the, the crowd was kind of a dead until the kick out. And then it picked back up, and then there was a not, not necessarily the big finish, but you can definitely tell the pace picks up towards the end of this match. Like I was saying, uh, this match specifically, kind of, I, I won't say it was a big finish thing, but it, the pace definitely picked back up, and, and you, you'll notice that uh, the last two three minutes specifically. Yeah. Uh, because like a lot of a lot of stuff was countered more, like a lot more moves were hit. There there was a lot of back and forth between the two. And again, if you're not really used, to, I, I I don't want to I don't want to be like that all these Japan matches are like this, but not, but they're but a good bulk are. And if you're not used to that style, it, it may seem like kind of lackluster or boring to you. And, and even I'll admit there are times where I'm kind of looking away from the match, but that's just because I knew nothing like major was happening until like the last five minutes, which which can be a knock sometimes. But at the same time, if you just if you just like wrestling. It, it kind of you kind of have to force yourself to expand sometimes, and, and with that, you'll notice that not every match is going to be your favorite match, and not every match is going to go the way you think it will. Yeah, for sure, and that happened with me a lot in this pay per view. Right, and and but none of these matches were bad. I don't, I don't, I, I, I honestly expect at the bare minimum two point seven five to be the lowest rating. 
I, I think I think three stars and up bare minimum for every match on the main card, except maybe. I would say except for Tony versus uh. uh no, I I'd give that three. I think Meltzer would give that three. The only one I'd say that might not get a three flat would be Jericho Appreciation Society versus uh dudes with attitude. I felt like that 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 deserved a three. I like I said that was I thought that was a good match. I think the one that will get the five. Yeah, I'm sorry, not dudes with attitude. Jericho Appreciation Society versus uh, Combat. Yeah, 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 and, and Kingston. Yeah. Um. The one that I think will get five stars will probably be Osprey Cassidy. If 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 Diesel, I, I think it's gonna give to give me. One. There are three possible five star matches. Mm-hmm. Uh, Osprey Cassidy for sure, Moxley Tanahashi because that's just kind of what Dave Meltzer likes. Uh, I don't think the five uh, the four way will get one because of the way it finished, but it could. Yeah. And I honestly think uh, Claudio Saber could be a five. If not a five, then definitely like a four point five or a four point seven five. That felt like a th- like like a three and a half, you know, four four to me. So I uh, see. Uh, yeah, none none of these matches again were bad. Again, the lowest rating I I see happening is probably a two point seven five, and I and I think that two point seven five is Lance Archer Nick Camarado, and that's just because it was a hoss fight that lasted like five minutes. There's nothing wrong with it, but it wasn't like a I mean, I mean, you sometimes you I mean it wasn't a palate cleanser. <laughs> For six month at the end, but like, but sometimes you just need a good house fight. And I always enjoy a good house fight, all right? Right, unless it's Big Show. Yeah, you're gonna leave Paul White alone. Well, <laughs> he's the white man. There, there are some good Big Show matches out there, bro. They're they're early for sure, but I, I told you that. Or like, peak Big Show to me was like, oh two oh six Big Show. So like, and then he got just coming off the giant like run. Yeah, like early Raw, um, like Big Show being like World Heavyweight Champion and stuff like that. That era Big Show, when he was like 500 pounds, which is wild to me because I I think Big Show, best shape of his life was like towards the end of his WWE run. Oh, yeah. Um, And he just moved better. But I think I think either because it was a lot easier to book big big guy matches back then. Mm-hmm. But again, to me, peak Big Show was like 500 pounds, like one one strap on the singlet, world heavyweight champion Big Show. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I, 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 I like a lot of his later stuff. Big Show was always fun for a good match or a segment. I'll, I'll say that for sure. Uh, I always liked but his... I the best match on the card, but yeah. I, I always liked his KO punch. It always had a nice sound to it. Right. WMD was nice. Did you ever watch the Big Show show? Uh, on Netflix, right? Yeah, it was awful. I think I saw an episode too. It it was awful, but the kind of awful that it was just really fun to sit there and riff on. Yeah, for sure. And then it got canned, and he got released. Yeah. And then the only- but I mean, he he's, he's living his life as a commentator slash sometimes wrestler in AEW. And a botchamania staple at this point. <laughs> Uh, he's not the only one now. <laughs> oh yeah, no. Uh, I mean, Matthew's been been ripping on Taz's commentary for years. Right, but uh, no, it's overall. I think it was a pretty solid pay per view. We we see uh, Moxley finally 
get that elusive win over Tanahashi with a Death Rider. And you know, um, Moxley is the probably the safest bet for an interim champion right now. Absolutely, but at the same time, like I feel like this is the time where you pull the trigger on a on a new guy. That's exactly like what I'm I not. Saying. I'm not saying Kyle O'Reilly should have beaten Moxley. No, because I know Moxley really wanted his match with Tanahashi, right? But at the same time, this would have been a great opportunity for Tanahashi to have like an excursion in the U.S. Maybe relax a little bit because like the AEW style could probably fit him a lot better. Yeah, because it could go at his pace and stuff like that. And it would be really curious to see what AEW would do with an Asian champion. As, as their guy, you know what I mean? I'd, I'd be curious to see how they book that. Because, uh, unfortunately, other companies haven't done the best job of that. Yeah. Not to name names. Um, but I, I wouldn't really care. Honestly, my perfect, my perfect booking here is that Tanahashi wins the interim AEW World Championship and Cole or Hangman beat Jay White, and then they just kind of swap guys for about four or five months until Punk comes back. And then, obviously, uh, I'm more partial than Adam, obviously. Mm -hmm. Again, English, if I can speak it today. Um, But with him getting concussed, I would assume that they would kind of throw an audible and either make sure Jay retains or give it to Hangman, which I would have also been really interested to see. Oh, a couple sure. years ago at the G, a couple years ago at the G one when Hangman was still in New Japan, I honestly thought he had a really good shot at competing in the heavyweight division. So I would have, I would have swapped titles personally, but that's me. And that would have been really uh, cool to see Hangman go back to Japan, right? Or stay in America and then, and then we just defend both titles. Yeah, maybe Hangman defends the IWGP ti- uh, title for four or five months while. Tanahashi does the same in Japan, and, and then they cross over when need be for pay-per-views and stuff like that. AW has a lot of fucking belts as is, though. That's where the F- I mean, FTR yeah. bringing two more sets of tag belts. Yeah, that, that's true for sure, but at the same time, it's not like we see these belts all the time, right? Because yeah, Wheeler Yuta is the only consistent ROH champion you see on TV. Well, cause Joe's like Mercedes Martinez, Mercedes Martinez is on Dark a lot. And we haven't seen Jonathan Gresham on TV since he retained his title. I, I saw him on Dark when Lee Which Moriarty title does he asked have? him. Jonathan Gresham is the ROH World Heavyweight Champion. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, he, he's married to Jordan Grace from Impact. I don't know if you know who that is or not. I'm, I do I'm not. sure you've seen her on Twitter. Uh, I'll, show you, I'll show you later. Um, yeah, she just won the Impact World Women's World Championship. Um, at their last nice. pay-per-view. I, I want to say it's Lambert Racer, actually. Yeah, it's Lambert Racer. So that, that's cool for them as a couple. But Jonathan Gresham is probably my favorite, um, like, technical wrestler right now outside of Daniel Bryan, obviously. Um, he, he's a really cool dude. Um, so, but you don't see Gresham at all because he's defending the RH title everywhere else and doing indie books and stuff like that. So, again, AEW realistically only has four titles that people give a shit about. And that's the TNT title, now the All-Atlantic, um, at least for guys, and then uh, the World Heavyweight and the World Tag Titles, and then the women have the TBS and the uh, AEW Women's World Title. So that's six mm-hmm. titles total, right? And even if you include all of ROH, that's nine. WWE on Raw alone has five, right? 
Mm-hmm. Well, before the unification matches, at least. Yeah, SmackDown. Then, that'd, that'd be, yeah, that, that'd, be, that'd be the WWE World Heavyweight, the Raw Tag title, the Intercom, the United, excuse me, the United States Championship, the yeah, Raw Women's title, the Raw Women's Tag titles, that's five plus the 24-7. No, 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 the Women's Tag titles are just their own thing. I mean, yeah, but they they were on Raw last, you know what I mean? Yeah. So so that's six. I and then it. again, this is this is before the unification matches. So then you would go to SmackDown, where you have the United States, uh, the excuse me, the Intercontinental Championship, the SmackDown Women's Championship, the SmackDown Tag Titles, and the Universal. So that's four and six. That's ten. Then you have to include NXT, which has North American. And again, before unification, cruiserweight. So that's three. Which that got unified NXT with the North women. Four, right? Yeah, that that unified with North American. So NXT women's makes four, and the NXT tag makes five. Then you go to NXT UK, which also has the NXT UK men's and women's, the NXT UK tag titles, and the Heritage Cup. So that was another four, which brings WWE to what a grand total of twenty twenty two. Plus the Andre the Giant trophy. It's Plus you still got the like random stuff like the Andre the Giant trophy. The Dusty Classic. We have it. We had the Dusty Classic is also a thing. There, there, there are a lot of wars and achievements in, in, in wrestling in general. And obviously WWE has four shows, the AEW three. But still, that's that's completely under. And eventually when ROH gets a TV deal, Tony Khan is just going to run both and they'll be separate. Maybe they'll be crossover stuff because he owns both and that's easy. Oh, of course. But it's, it's not like, for people to always say AEW has too many belts, look at their roster. They have a big fucking and, roster. Right. And, 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 and even then, people will say that about WWE once every blue moon and then leave it alone because I, I, even with the unification matches, I still feel WWE has too many. Mm-hmm. Like obviously NXT is no longer the third brand and is back to being developmental because fuck Triple H. Well, he's back in charge now, which is good. I mean, yeah, but all his kids are gone. Yeah, well, he there's always room for more kids. Yeah, and stuff like that. You know what I mean? So it really just depends. So I I I feel you and I understand what you're saying when you say AEW has too many belts, but when you really break it down, they don't. Because, again, ROH is eventually going to be its own thing when they get a TV deal within the next few years because Tony Khan has the money to promote ROH, and he loves ROH because he's always been an ROH fan. Honestly, if AEW didn't become a thing, I could have seen Tony buying ROH this year and just running ROH. That would have been cool. And then ROH would be where AEW is right now. Like Kenny and the Bucks probably would have re-signed with New Japan or gone to WWE, which would have made things really interesting. But, you know, stuff happens for a reason. Very true. And so with stuff like that, we we now have the opportunity to see more and better wrestling because of stuff like this. So I, I'm not going to complain. I mean, wrestling is such it's such a fickle thing because there's so oh, many, there's so many what ifs. But the timeline we live in now with everything that's happened has been fucking. It, it's pretty solid. Fascinating you know? because but one of the biggest what ifs. Uh, if, uh, not if all time, but definitely the last five or six years, is what if Finn Balor doesn't get injured at SummerSlam 16? Ooh. That, that, that literally changes the landscape of WWE as we know it. Because Seth Rollins doesn't get, a, get that secondary push. 
which means ego is nowhere near as big, which means he doesn't beef with Will Ospreay online for eight months. Never got that. Yeah, yeah. it's just yeah, yeah, I didn't. <laughs> Stuff like that, you know what I mean? Uh, Finn doesn't get demoted, which means Roman probably doesn't get the mega push that he does when the demon comes back. Oh, it's, it's, Roman probably turns heel two years early, so we probably don't get ahead of the table. We, <laughs> uh, fuck. What what we get? We get fucking, I don't know, dog. With, just, dog with rabies. Yeah, not dog with rabies. <laughs> uh, maybe maybe dog of war or something like that, or or, or like Hades or hound solo hound of justice. I don't know, some stupid shit, right? But that that also changes a lot of stuff because if Finn doesn't get that. Like demotion and then reinvents himself as the prince in NXT. Mm-hmm. We don't get a secondary NXT title run with him, which means who knows what happens? Because you got to look at uh, we don't we don't get his Karrion matches Cross, with Kyle Riley Cross, or, yeah. or Pete Dunne. We, we don't we don't get his match with Pete, Pete Dunne or Kyle Riley, which means Kyle Riley might not get the push that he gets, which means Undisputed Era might not break up. We don't know what happens with Karrion Cross because. Him beating Finn made him look a lot more serious. Obviously, him beating Keith Lee was important, but that's a whole other situation. Also, what happens if Karrion Cross doesn't get injured the first time? There's stuff like that. There, there's so many like little small things that 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 could lead up to. It's like a fucking Marvel. If Finn show doesn't go back to yeah, if Finn doesn't go back to NXT, what changes? You know, because he he'll be on the main roster at that point. Like, does that does that mean Kofi doesn't become? WWE champion doesn't mean Big E doesn't, because I would assume with Finn Balor being on Raw when the title swap that he's in the WWE title picture the entire time. Do do we even or get in, do we get the Fiend? Because do we do we, do we yeah do we still get Bray? Because there's no need if Finn's out here doing what he does as the Demon. Mm-hmm. And, and if we do get the Fiend, like does the Demon and the Fiend collide? And if so, who wins that match? Because we, we, saw, we saw that match with Finn not being over enough because, again, his injury cost him because that's what Vince does. Look at Dolph Ziggler. Um, here to show the world. Yeah, if you get injured as world champion and, and you're not protected, kind of a wrap. Yeah. Because Seth Rollins was thankfully able to recover because, again, Triple H... Loved his ass, and and Vince was a fan of his at that point. You mm-hmm. know, it's just stuff like that. So all all that stuff is really pivotal to. I don't know what wrestling would look at with slight changes like that. Not because if Finn gets more opportunities, and then suddenly Roman champ for two years, just Finn will even go to AEW or return to New Japan stuff like that. You know what I mean? Oh God, ba- Balor, a, a, a lot of a lot of stuff changes at that point. But we'll never know. Imagine if we get fucking Forbidden Door, but it's Finn Balor versus Kenny Omega. Which means WWE finally plays ball. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be interesting. Uh, uh, there, but again, me and Noah fantasy booked that pay-per-view plenty of times. I have to I have to book, matter of fact, now I think about it, I have to book Forbidden Door too, basically, because I, I, like, <laughs> in my head, I, I booked that pay-per-view years ago. But it was WWE and AEW. But you know, in the we talk about alternate timelines, but in the timeline we have something like this can exist because you know the Forbidden Door was obviously a thing well before AEW, but like AEW like really kind of made the Forbidden Door kind of a mainstream concept. 
And over yeah, the right. past few years, we've had those, you know, brief New, J- New Japan crossovers. And with, you know, right. and, and with the Bucks and Cody and all them having those Japan ties, that was what was able to make this pay-per-view truly possible. And I'll say mm. the pay-per-view had just ungodly amount of hype. I don't feel it quite lived up to that hype, but I still thought it was a really, really solid right. pay-per-view. But I don't even think that's an AEW or a New Japan thing. That's just because injuries happened. Like we were expecting CM Punk versus Hiroshi Tanahashi, a dream match for a lot of people. The first time ever. Mm-hmm. Not to say that John Moxley and Tanahashi wasn't, because again, people have been looking forward to that for the last three years. But Tomaro Ishii was supposed to make an appearance. We were supposed to get Daniel Bryan Hiroshi or Bryan Danielson. Versus Zack Sabre Jr., which is a match I'm sure has happened somewhere down the line when they were a lot younger and, and less experienced, but both of them are in the peak of their careers at this point. It's, it's, we we missed out on a lot of stuff because of injury, which sucks, but that happened, you know what but, I mean? Yeah, but overall, what we still got, I felt was was, was really, very really well solid. done. Again, I have no complaints with it. I, I think that was an 8.5 pay-per-view. I feel the second half Lost a little bit of steam, but you know my 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 pros here. Uh, one pro, uh, pro uh, being Claudio, just him being Absolutely. there. He looked awesome. Uh, Pac winning winning the All Atlantic that was well deserved. Uh, the mm-hmm. winner take all tag match was solid. Uh, dark uh, dudes with attitude versus the Bucks, which again that was my match of the night. Cassidy versus Osprey was was fucking great. Uh, the cons, obviously, the biggest one is injuries. Um, yeah. And, you know, the kind of anticlimactic ending to IWGP. Uh, I felt the main event, again, was somewhat underwhelming. Uh, right. You know, again, none of these matches were bad. A few of them underwhelming, no. but none of them bad. Um, Absolutely. And then also just the stream constantly getting cut off and constantly having to go to, to new links. Just to watch I mean, well, that's, that's, that's just a problem we have to, to deal with as, as non-consumers of Fight TV. <laughs> I mean, so hey, it is what it is on that note. Look, if Fight TV wants to sponsor this podcast and give me a free subscription, I'm all here for it. <laughs> I don't know if you should I'll, be I'll... asking for a subscription while talking about not having one and still watching the pay per view. Look, if if they so if they if they want me to stop watching, you know the you know the the, the backdoor streams. As we call them, you sponsor me. I talk about how great you are, and I t- do a podcast talking about UFC matches where I have no idea what the fuck's going on. I know, that's bad. But overall, like, this this was a really good watch, and I'm decently curious about actually getting into New Japan proper. You know, I, fe- I felt like this was a pretty good introduction to a, to a lot of their stars, and Obviously, yeah. it introduced a lot of you know the, a lot of the new Japan style you know to to a U.S. crowd. You know, this was definitely a pay per view for the really hardcore wrestling fans. It wasn't everything it could have been, and again, a lot of that was due to injuries. But what we got was still a solid, you know, a solid AEW caliber pay per view. Go live, okay. So like I said, this is a segment I like to call WT Wrestling because wrestling is a lot of things. But one thing that it definitely is is really, really fucking stupid. And so this is a segment, kind of just a 
kicker segment where we go through some of the oddities and just what the fuck moments in wrestling. So, Josh, you remember Nia Jax. I feel like everyone remembers I, I, I do Nia remember Jax. Nia Jax. I feel like everyone remembers Nia Jax for one reason or another. Well, this is probably... Oh, fuck, what web browser is on? Okay, it's not Brave. I've got my, my Brave audio. This is probably the single greatest moment in Nia Jax's WWE run. And also the only Nia Jax match that I truly enjoy. Well, outside of the other one she had with Lana, where Lana did the fucking face in the ass pin. <laughs> this was truly the only... Nia Jax versus Lana was truly the only Nia Jax feud I actually fucking liked. Her and Lexi was okay. Alright, without further ado, the greatest moment in Nia Jax history. Nia Jax now on the apron. Oh, no. <laughs> Jax <went over> <laughs> Flips a fucking table. Oh, they bleeped it. Oh, they bleeped my hole. Are you fucking kidding me? Did you not know that? No. All yeah, they said was my hole. All they said was my hole. This is a kid's show, Stu. Oh, God. Okay, okay. Hold on. Fuck that. Fuck that PG bullshit. Except for John Cena. John Cena is cool. Okay, here we go. The extended look. God, I watched that shit live. I watched yeah, that I remember. shit live, and I immediately went. I screen capped it. I this is on an account that I probably can't even access anymore because I've experimented with so many different fucking accounts. But I had a privated video of that, and I shared that link with so many fucking people. Uh, I showed that to my fucking old old boss in college, and <laughs> he loved it. Oh my god! Oh, that's a great palate cleanser. Uh, this would be the part where the end music comes in, but I don't have end music, so. Uh, Look for some royalty free shit, my god! That's what we did. All right, I'll see what Kevin McLeod has has on his website. Okay. But anyways, uh, eBay. So eBay has royalty free stuff for streamers. eBay. Oh, T-Pain. No, T-Pain. My bad. I said eBay. Yeah, yeah. Like, am I gonna no, buy T-Pain has royalty free stuff for streamers. I've played some of that on on stream before, actually. Yeah, you have. Anyways, uh, that's the end of motherfucking episode one. Josh, thank you very much for for joining me. I wouldn't have been able to get through any of the new Japan Pan stuff without you here. Uh. Do you want to plug yourself before you go? Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, my name is Josh, uh, or Zane, you know, whatever. You can meet me on and probably call me that Facebook, Discord, whatever. You can follow me on Twitter at my underscore own profit. You can follow my lovely podcast at the uh, at Otaku Collect Pod on Twitter. Uh, you can follow us on TikTok at Otaku Collect PC. 
Uh, and, you know, just look out for us on most of the majority streaming platforms. You know, Apple Music, finally. Uh, Spotify, we're on Google Podcasts, too, at The Otaku Collective Podcast. Uh, yeah, give us a peek. Thank you for the opportunity. Uh, Stu, I'm, I'm really glad to be here for your first episode. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> Thank uh, you, man. I appreciate it. The podcast journey is wild, bro, and I, and, I, and I hope you enjoy it for sure. I mean, the only, to me, my major hurdle is going to be, because this whole episode has just been like a, a static screen, which for, for podcast's sake is, you know, isn't bad, because a lot of people listen to podcasts like in the car, on the road, or as, as background music. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do want to make it more more visually interesting. Yeah, uh, no, for sure. And also, you're gonna have to teach me how to upload shit to Spotify. If I don't know how to fucking do that. Yeah, I got you. But but yeah, um, I don't have an outro because again, this is the most underdeveloped, unprepared, and underrated wrestling podcast on YouTube. This is Diamond in the Ring, like Diamond in the Rough, except the it's a wrestling wrestling. What do you ring. mean you don't have an outro? That's the outro. I guess that is the outro. The most under underdeveloped, unprepared. I don't care how professional this shit looks in a year and a half. That is the outro. Say that last part again. I don't care how professional this shit looks like in a year and a half or however long you keep this podcast going, but that is now your outro. Fuck yeah. Uh, my socials are right right down there. Uh, follow me on Twitch. Trying to grow that. We are nearing 100 fucking followers. Well, we were. We got to 99 and I lost 5 and went on a hiatus, but that's neither here nor there. I'll be back on that platform soon. Follow me on Twitter for really shitty wrestling takes and telling Claudio he has a nice ass. Uh, which all of you should go and, and tweet that after this episode, by the way. Go tweet at Claudio that he has a nice ass. He, he, he'll appreciate it, I think. 